Indigo's Peace in a Pod. My name is Indigo Trickhauger, and I'm a communicator at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. My job here is to help researchers convey their work. Usually that means talking to the media, politicians, other stakeholders, and colleagues. With this podcast, that means talking to you. When the Taliban took over Afghanistan in August 2021, many academics there found themselves in a desperate scramble. Some wanted to leave the country, others weren't sure what they would face if they stayed. The decisions were agonizing and often dangerous. For female academics in particular, the threat of retaliation and loss of freedoms was ominous. Meanwhile, their colleagues and counterparts in other countries struggled to help them. One of these colleagues was Professor Jackie True, who initiated a successful campaign to evacuate several Afghan academics and youth activists to Australia, where they were offered scholarships at Monash University. Today, I talked to Jackie and Parisa. Parisa is one of those who came to Australia and is now at Monash. We talk not only about coming to Australia, but also the future of Afghanistan and the way forward. Jackie True is Professor of International Relations and Director of Monash University's Center for Gender, Peace, and Security. She's also a Prio Global Fellow. Her research currently focuses on the women, peace, and security agenda, including the gender dimensions of violent extremism and conflict. Parisa holds a bachelor's degree in law and political science and currently works and studies at Monash University. She was previously a lecturer at the Faculty of Law at Herat University. Her work is focused on capacity building and trainings for youth and students in Afghanistan to work for peace building. So welcome to the podcast, Jackie and Parisa. I'm really glad that, um, that we could get together and it's, it's complete polar opposites of, of time for us. It's very early morning for me and evening for you, so I'm glad it worked out. Um, Parisa, I just want to start with you. Uh, when I first heard about um, Jackie's kind of, uh, I won't say movement, but um, help in getting Afghan scholars to come to Australia, I was very interested in um, not just the experience of that process for the scholars themselves, but what kind of background um, they would have. And so I want to start with you and what is your background and how did you decide to study the things that you study and focus on the kind of capacity building and peace building and leadership that, that you ended up choosing? Yeah, uh, thank you very much. Um, actually, I have the Bachelor of Law and Political Science. So about the uh, my background, um, I start uh, working for peace and capacity building uh, when I was uh, in the fifth semester of my university. So I start working as the leader of Herod University Peace Center. Um, so basically, we were focusing on the uh, peace training for students and students and teachers at universities. Uh, so uh, at that time, I re- realized that uh, there is a need in every universities and academic institutions for peace studies. Uh, so through peace centers, we try to include the peace studies in the curriculum of the some of the faculties. Uh, I realized that how uh, the people who are taking the course of peace building they really changed their belief. Uh, they are, uh, you know, how they are seeing the world, how they want to uh, bring changes to the society. Uh, and uh, the reflection of these courses that um, 
the person who is uh, get, uh, taking this course, the peace building course, how they are going to reflect the peace studies to their family, society, their class and their university. And uh, that really motivates me to work more on peace building because I really saw how it's bring changes, especially in uh, between youth and the young generation of Afghanistan. So uh, after that, I was working as the uh, regional coordinator for Afghanistan, uh, for Afghans for Progress of Thinking. Basically, we were focusing on the series of debates and leadership programs uh, with the university students. And there, uh, most of our debates were uh, focusing on the um, peace and the women rights, gender equality in Afghanistan. Uh, besides that, I was working um, as the country director for Afghanistan with Alumni Network, uh, which was a, uh, a moot court competition. It was moot, moot court competition, which was focusing on the arbitration and international commercial law, which were, uh, we, was, uh, we were working with the more than 15, uh, 15 universities around Afghanistan uh, to help them participate in uh, regional and international competitions. So uh, they had the chance and ground to meet different people from different around the world uh, to build the network and to discuss the issues uh, and learn uh, what they can learn from the um, international students, from the professors around the world. And besides that, I was um, teaching at uh, Herat University Faculty of Law, uh, which was a great opportunity for me to meet the um, young girls and boys at university to discuss with them about the different issues to help them uh, help them to build uh, their skills their knowledge and I really enjoyed uh, working with the youth that's why I, I'm always keen to work with the um, youth especially girls for their right for their gender equality and peace building I want to get a little bit more into um, the work that you've been doing. But first, Jackie, I don't want to rehash the ABC um, broadcast too much. And I'll actually link to it because it, it's a great um, it's, it's a great piece and it really covers a lot of this. But when I first heard that the interview with you that's in there, it was clear to me that you felt some kind of duty or responsibility to do something to help some of the Afghans that you had worked with and connected with. And so I'm just wondering, as a scholar, do you ever find it Difficult? Did you ever get criticized um, for taking maybe what is, could be considered more of an activist-like stance when it comes to your involvement with with issues like this? Mm, that's a really interesting question, Indigo. Um, I, I should say that on August fifteenth, or actually it was August thirteenth, um, having you know worked with Afghans for Progressive Thinking in Afghanistan. Um, at the Monash Gender Peace and Security Centre and having um, de co-developed or co-designed a debate series with them around women's rights and youth participation uh, in the Afghan intra-Afghan talks and peace process uh, and to try to explore the arguments and the ideas around inclusive peace, which is so central to the women, peace and security agenda. When my colleague, uh, Mohammed Ajmal, the director of uh, Afghan's Progressive Thinking, told me you know, what was happening, that they were really worried um, for their colleagues um, and themselves um, with the, um, the presence of the Taliban uh, looking like they would take Kabul. 
I thought, well, what it's not just enough to have a partner and to engage with them uh, and to discuss the ideas and to research the ideas. If when they are at risk uh, and when they're facing, uh, you know, danger, uh, an imminent danger to their lives, it's not enough to say, I'm just a researcher, I can't do anything. Like I just go back to my university and my papers. Um, I think it confronts, it confronted me, certainly. It didn't take me long to realize, but you know, that it's not enough to do nothing to say I'm a researcher because um, I know these people, we know these people, they trusted us, they worked with us. Um, I do know people in government, I do know people in the university, and we could surely do something to help our colleagues. So I think for me, it was more like not being, I was worried that I would be criticized for doing nothing, mm. for being a, um, a passive scholar, um, for, to, you know, walking, you know, talking the talk, but not walking the talk. Uh, and so I suppose um, as, you know, we started with a petition, you know, with what we knew was happening from our friends who were telling us, um, and we quickly realized we, ha we had to do something to help them. Um, so because they were at risks. And so that's how it happened. We, I didn't spend a great deal of time thinking, oh, my God, am I going to be criticized? <laughs> so that was my least concern. Um, I, we were much more concerned. And I reached out to my colleagues at Monash University and around Australia and they very quickly supported. So um, they didn't criticize. Now, of course, there may be some who criticize. That is not the role of the scholar. Um, that's fine. They're welcome to those views. But uh, I would put to you, if you're put in the situation where you can save lives and you can help your friends, would you say no? It was clear to me what, what we needed to do. Parisa, being on the other side of this story, um, well, first of all, with your background and, and the fact that you had been teaching something that for you was not just theoretical, it was, and even before the, the latest Taliban takeover, it was very real. Um, what was what was your, I guess, reaction uh, to the events in, in August and the Taliban takeover? Um, I, I suppose because you were experiencing it both from a theoretical academic level of having studied peace and, and peace building and uh, also the, the end of peaceful processes, as well as having lived this and experienced it. Yeah, um, actually, it was really, uh, I was in a very hot situation at that time. I never thought that it would happen like that. And we will, uh, you know, lose everything in a moment. Uh, uh, I thought about, mm, I talked about it uh, before as well, that uh, it was very, uh, you know, interesting and really sad. On that time, I'm Actually, I'm living, uh, I was uh, from Herat and living uh, at Herat province. So uh, at that time, I had a meeting uh, with uh, some of our international colleagues and we were planning some national competition on September. And uh, we were talking about the schedule and everything. Uh, so we could have our national uh, competition on uh, late September. Uh, 
but uh, there were some security uh, problems and issues in Afghanistan and uh, Herat province. So I was uh, just discussing with my uh, colleagues that there is a high possibility that they couldn't make our uh, national competition this year uh, in person. So uh, there is a possibility we shifted online platform and, platform and there is a, you know, we were just thinking about the uh, risks, about the security problems, not about the fall of Afghanistan. It, uh, it was just about one hour meeting uh, when we end up the meeting. So I received a call that uh, now... Herod is under fall of the Taliban. And it just happened in five and ten minutes. And you even didn't have the time to think what happened. And you just realized that you, uh, you know, you lost anything you had, not just, uh, you know, the past achievements. You don't have any future. You cannot think about a, f- a future. So, uh, at that time, I really, I was shocked and I was thinking what to do next because, um, you know, um, some of my students were calling me that what will be uh, our situation? Uh, should we continue the university or um, no, we don't have the right to go to university? To be honest, I didn't have any answer for them. Uh, and it was really hard for me to convince them to still uh, have their hope uh, to keep them motivated. It was really hard for me to, uh, because it was hard to accept even for me. So it was not acceptable for me. So I could motivate and give hope to someone else. Uh, at that time, I really uh, thought that uh, this is the last chance that I have in my life and I, I, I don't have any chance in future to do what I want and uh, basically I don't have any future after this. Wow. Um, I can't imagine honestly what, what that feeling must have been like. Um, almost just incomprehensible and probably in the moment as well. Um, again, I'm not going to get too much into the into the details of the process then, but uh, skipping ahead a little bit, what was it like then, um, yeah, coming to Australia? I mean, do you have sort of a, a scholarly community around you? Um, what, what are you focusing on now? Yeah. Um, actually, before coming to Australia, when I was in Dubai in a camp and also in Darwin, uh, before coming to Melbourne, I was in Darwin because of the lockdown. So, uh I didn't expect what I have now. Uh, I was really afraid of the future, the life here, what will happen next. And it was all very hard for me. But uh, but when I come to Melbourne, the night we ha- arrived here, I saw uh, everyone here, Professor Jackie, Professor Sharon, and the community, everyone with the love and uh, with the support here. So uh, I just realized that I have a family here too. And, uh, they, you know, they just helped me to, uh, to have hope so I could have my future plans. And uh, I'm really thankful of 
Monash University that uh, they provide us the grant, the scholarships, everything. And uh, right now I'm working at Monash University uh, with the GPS uh, and also with the Office of General Counsels. Basically, I, uh, now we are focusing on the uh, on a campaign uh, uh, for the girls and women in Afghanistan for 16 days of activism. Uh, so we want the international community's attention uh, to the situation of the girls and women in Afghanistan. It's not just about the, you know, education. I know education is important and everyone is focusing on the education of the girls, but there are many problems that women and girls all uh, have uh, in Afghanistan uh, from the economic problem, employment, the health problem, and uh, freedom of speech, the political participation, everything. And we wanted to cover all all these topics in 16 days of activists and record um, 16 videos from Afghanistan from the girls women who are talking about the situation uh, what is happening right now in Afghanistan and uh, what is the responsibilities of international communities uh, to help and support uh, Afghan women and girls immediately that is a, a good segue then to my question uh, for both of you and I guess to start with you Jackie uh, from each of your perspectives, and because of course you are coming at it from different perspectives, um, but some overlapping, what do you think concerned activists or uh, scholars or policymakers can do to help Afghans right now? I mean, obviously, Jackie, you have had this very successful campaign to bring scholars to Australia, um, and that's a, a really big thing to do. But um, And I know I'm also asking you a huge question right now, so feel free to pick one aspect or one group but um what 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 can people do yeah no it's a really important question um and you know i think for everyone afghanistan seems like the really hard case it's the hard case for women peace and security because it it appears to be a failure despite all of the efforts to support women's security uh and women's voices um you know inclusive peace has failed um, but at the same time, I think I, I want to support what Parisa said. Uh, we want to support the hope of young women and girls uh, in Afghanistan, as well as men and boys who want uh, a different society, who want a democratic and free society. I think one of the things for those of us who are in educational institutions and who are in research centres is that we can provide a platform um, for the thought leadership of Afghans so that they can continue to have a voice globally uh, through our media, through our civil society. Uh, I think that's really important to keep everyone aware of the issues, uh, to keep the pressure on our governments to not legitimize the Taliban. Uh, and when they're thinking about moving toward a more inclusive government in that country, that that inclusive government needs to include not only the different ethnicities, but it needs to include centrally women. <laughs> who are more than half the population and who have really contributed significantly uh, to the development of that country. So I think that's really important, one thing we can do. I think we also need to recognise that, you know, there are 22 million people in the country and there are many people suffering. Um, and that I think, again, universities have a particular role in the world um, that they can also be 
promoting the thought leadership, but also promoting educational programs that can continue to give hope um, to those who are excluded from education uh, and who are excluded from a holistic education um, and, and an education about so many things. Um, and in that regard, um, we are beginning a, a pilot program here at Monash University, which is going to involve training um, peers and mentors uh, and matching them with Afghan young women at first um, so that we can develop a coaching and mentoring program where um, we can continue to support uh, the education and the hope um, of those young people. Um, I think there's many things that others can do as well. Um, I, I think to support humanitarian organizations that are um, that are assisting communities and also to push for, to ask those humanitarian organizations, are they prioritizing women and girls' needs? Because it's, it's not always the case. Often we have a view in humanitarian situations of being neutral, of not... Um, privileging any particular group. And often what that means is that women and girls are left behind. They are not fed. Their needs are last. They don't, you know, receive um, adequate health care, including reproductive health care, um, that they are most vulnerable to violence, especially in the context of a regime which has impunity for gender-based violence. So I think it's really important that we all ask our governments, but also humanitarian organizations that we support, what they are doing to prioritize women at risk uh, and women and girls' needs. Mm. Uh, Parisa, I'd like to hear your thoughts on what Jackie said, but also um, narrowing specifically in on her comment about the Taliban, because the reason I, I picked up on this is because it has been a huge debate uh, in Norway, whether or not the the government should for example, stay in the embassy uh, in Afghanistan? Should they leave? Should they talk to the Taliban at all? Um, there are a lot of scholars in Norway who say that, well, the Taliban are in power. We have to have some kind of dialogue with them. Uh, but this is a, a big debate. And so I'd love to get your thoughts specifically on that, but also more gener generally um, on this question of what people can do. Um, basically, it's, uh, you know, uh different scenarios about the recognition of the government and all the countries going to recognize the government, uh, the touristic government of Taliban uh, or not. So uh, my question is just why governments and the countries, especially superpower countries, are waiting to recognize the government. So what uh, what is the next step for uh, not recognizing. Imagine that the country is not going to recognize the uh, touristic government of Taliban. So what what is the uh, responsibility of countries um, regarding to the um, human rights in Afghanistan? Uh, are they going to support the uh, Afghan people uh, without the recognition of the government? Or no, some of the people, uh, some of the countries uh, said that maybe they will going to recognize Afghanistan after five years. So what will happen to the Afghan people in these five years? 
they need the support of the international communities and uh, the superpower countries. So we cannot wait for the recognition of the country. The people are dying because of the poverty. People do not have any food to eat in Afghanistan. Uh, Families are forced to sell their children because they don't have anything to eat. And the international community is just talking about shall we recognize the Afghanistan government or not? And I'm I'm just confused that what is the point of having United Nations as the biggest organization in the world when we have the situation in Afghanistan? I think uh, sort of say that it's a shame on the United Nations and blaming United Nations. I, I don't see any point of having United Nations anymore when there is a, such such a situation in Afghanistan. It's worse situation when a mother is selling her children, her girl and boy, because they don't have anything to feed them. You know, the, the situation, you have to choose that you want to the, your children to be alive or with yourself. What I did to just survive, I choose to be far from my family just to uh, keep myself sa- uh, self, uh, safe and my family safe. This is the situation in Afghanistan right now, and I don't know what is the point of having United Nations, the, having the women, peace and security, having the international communities. So uh, this is now the responsibility of United Nations and the international communities to support Afghan people before uh, recogn- uh, recognition of the uh, Taliban. So uh, basically talking about the, uh, shall the gov- uh, international communities international, uh, and the superpower countries recognize the Taliban government? So basically, I, my question is that how they can legitimize a, a terroristic uh, government, which is in the blacklist of the United Nations? So if they are going to recognize the terroristic government of Taliban, so still don't you think that there is no point to having United Nations? So it's basically uh, no point about having United Nations. So let's let's not have it after this. While they cannot, uh, you know, um, uh, they have to recognize a terroristic group, which most of the cabinet is the, in the blacklist of them, and they are not going to support Afghan uh, um, people, and they are not going to support humanity in Afghanistan. So uh, after the, not just talking about the international communities, I think it's the responsibility of individuals as well. We cannot just say that there are uh, um, United Nations, there are international communities, there are the superpower countries. So that's their uh, responsibility to help. So Professor Jackie is a, a great example and inspiration for everyone. She could say that See, it's not my responsibility. So uh, giving the visa and the process is just the responsibility of the governments and the Australian government is going to take the people out of Afghanistan but she as a, as a human she did his uh, she thought that this is her responsibility and she did and it's the responsibility of everyone I think if I'm doctor here in Australia and so on in Afghanistan doesn't have access to health service this is my responsibility to fight for it if I'm a teacher at Australia and US and the raw people in Afghanistan don't have access to the uh, education uh, services, so this is my responsibility to stand uh, with them. You know, if, if, if I am a politician 
if I'm a woman leader in superpower countries and I am claiming for the uh, gender equality and the women rights, if there is a single person in the world that don't have access to uh, and don't have the right, the political participation right, this is my responsibility to stand with. So I'm not just calling upon international communities or superpower countries. I'm calling upon the humanities. Humanity. I'm calling upon human uh, beings to uh, stand with the uh, Afghan people, stand with the humanity, because there is a time that Afghan people need everyone uh, from the around the world to help them and support them. And this is the time to stand with them. Mm-hmm. Indigo, can I just um, add to what Parisa said and, and definitely amplify her point and just invite everyone to support um, Monash Gender Peace and Security Centre's 16 days of activism dedicated to Afghan women and girls um, with each day highlighting the violation of a particular human right. And I think if everybody expresses their support for those universal human rights that should be extended to Afghan women and girls, then I think that will make a difference in untold ways. Um, and I think that's the start of us thinking more creatively of, you know, how we can engage uh, with Afghans uh, and perhaps make the Taliban realise that if they want to engage with the world, then they will have to meet us on some minimum terms, which would be the protection uh, of, of basic human rights. Mm. Uh, can I add something else? Uh, I'm just uh, about the education of the girls in Afghanistan. So uh, Taliban ban girls to go to returning to the secondary schools and education, and everyone is blaming Taliban uh, to uh, ban girls from the education. But there is also a bigger concern about the uh, you know higher education of the students and girls in Afghanistan who are willing to apply for the international scholarships. But unfortunately, um, international communities and the countries doing what the Taliban is doing right. Right now, they ban the Afghan girls and boys from the international scholarships. There is no single scholarship available for the Afghan people right now. They are waiting. They were work, waiting for their interviews. They passed the interviews. Some of them. They had the scholarships, but now they cannot go and they cannot receive the visas. They cannot receive the scholarships to continue their education. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking uh, the countries that uh, how you're going to support the education in Afghanistan and how you're going to negotiate with Taliban to support education in Afghanistan while you're doing the same and you're not providing a single scholarship for the uh, Afghan women uh, and girls in Afghanistan. So I think uh, this is the responsibility of the countries and the uh, institutions um, and universities to support the uh, scholarships for Afghan uh, girls and boys so they could continue their education. Like uh, Monash provided scholarships for um, 11 scholars. Uh, If Monash can, 
every institution can. So um, I think uh, this is the responsibility of the uh, universities to, to support the scholarships and to push the government so they could provide uh, uh, scholarships and the visa, student visa for the Afghan girls and women. Well, thank you both so much. Um, for me, at least, this has been very inspiring. And I will link to um, to the initiative that you mentioned, Jackie and you, Parisa, um, 16 Days. And uh, I'll also link to the, the broadcast that I that I mentioned in the beginning. Uh, really appreciate both of you talking with me. And um, I'm excited to see the work that you continue to do, Parisa. <laughs> thanks so much, Indigo. And um, like, thanks for making us your last podcast while you're at Prio. Um, I've really enjoyed the Prio podcast and I have listened to a couple with Afghan uh, scholars of Afghanistan and conflict. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's a nice way of coming full circle. So thanks very, thanks very much for raising these issues around scholarship and activism. No, I really appreciate it. Thanks for picking Prio's piece in a pod. I'm sad to say this is my last episode of the podcast. Though you'll probably hear my voice in the future on reposted episodes to come, I'll be leaving Prio at the end of the month. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll continue to stay interested in the podcast as it goes on without me. Keep staying curious about peace research. This podcast is a production of the Peace Research Institute Oslo, Prio, located in Norway. For more information, visit prio.org. Editing, recording, and hosting by me, Indigo Trickhauger. I'd like to thank all the interns who have helped me throughout the production of this podcast with additional editing, writing, and research. In particular this semester, Fuka Iwase. Music by the very talented 